0: Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for worshiping with us uh, all from all over. We, we, uh, I hope you experienced the presence of God. We sure did in here. You know, it's amazing. You don't have to have a crowd to experience the presence of God. Every time we've gotten together and sang and worshiped together as a worship team, um, and recorded, and you got sometimes you got cameras in your face, and once you just put all that aside, it's like the presence of God just comes in, and it's so cool how that works. It's just the way it is and we don't have to necessarily meet together and have this big group of people to get in his presence and folks you can do that right at home anytime you want just turn on some worship music you don't even necessarily need worship music you can just begin to sing praises or even speak praises unto God and you'll experience his presence God is so good well this morning I am talking about comebacks I'm starting a series and uh, we are going to get into it here today It's a two-part series uh, Again, entitled Comebacks It has been said that your setback Is just a setup up for your comeback Let me say it again We can throw it up on the screen if you want it, That your setback is just a setup for your comeback That is so, so true And I want you to get a hold of that this morning And I love that type of thinking because it's positive and it imagines the success of your future rather than dwelling on the obstacles of the present. We all have got some obstacles in the present. But your setback is just a setup for your comeback. Focus is not on those obstacles, but on the success of your future. And make no mistake, the Bible, if anything, is a book of comebacks, and everyone loves a good comeback story, especially in sports. Uh, it, it was a cold uh, evening, January 14th, 2018. Uh, where were you that day? I don't know if you can remember. I'll never forget where I was. I was in my home. Uh, it was, we were at the Hill House. The TV was on. And the Minnesota Vikings... Everybody said, Amen for God's team. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings were playing the New Orleans Saints. And this was a conference divisional playoff game. And during the first half, the Vikings racked up an impressive 17 to nothing lead over the Saints. But the momentum flipped during the second half, and it found the Vikings down 24-23. It's third down. There's 10 seconds left in the game. Case Keenum takes the snap. Well, let's just listen to it. You got to hear it. Receiver's left. by 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side Caught by Diggs. Stay oh my god. Oh my god. Hey, 30. No, K. 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 Everyone at the Hill House was freaking out that night. Pastor Guy was there, Pastor Jared was there, I was there, of course My family, even Pastor Donnie Who was a Chicago Bears fan We we gotta pray for him But he was even doing a little dance, I think, when that happened And that's at least the way I remember it He'd probably deny that But we literally scared the kids with our loud reactions It was the first time in NFL history That a playoff game ended in a touchdown as time expired It was absolutely awesome It was an awesome comeback We love comeback stories, don't we? And I think God wired us to love comebacks. And he did this intentionally because he knew that in this life, there would be setbacks. There would be obstacles. He knew that there would be moments in this life where we would be knocked down and we would need to get back up again. Let me tie this in scripturally this morning. Isaiah 59, 19b, the second part of that verse, and you all have probably heard this verse before. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. See, God knew that the setbacks the enemy would cause by coming in like a flood would have to be offset by the comebacks that would inevitably occur as the Spirit of God raised up a standard against that same enemy. We are wired, church, not just to love comebacks, but have them to be a part of them, to get up and plow forward every single time we are knocked down. And as you go through those comebacks and, and setbacks and comebacks in the word of god uh the people that went through them uh you, you can't help but think of, of samson i mean he messed up but cried out to god in his last breath and took out his enemy king david did anyone fall harder than him he lusted after another's wife he committed adultery with her he connived, he manipulated, he lied, and eventually murdered her husband so he, so he wouldn't find out that he had slept with Bathsheba and she became a, a great with child. And yet, his comeback included the Bible saying that he was a man after God's own heart. A man that could do all those atrocities came back and he was a man after God's own heart. The Apostle Peter is another one we think of, publicly denying any association with Christ, but later became instrumental in the start of the church. And eventually, you may not know this, but he was crucified. And he requested uh, that he would be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to die in the same way as his Savior. Complete opposite of denying him. And we can't forget about Paul. Paul. A man who was on a seek and destroy mission against anyone that called themselves a Christian. He has an experience with Jesus and his life has forever changed. He became the great missionary apostle as we know and he started the churches that eventually brought the gospel to Europe and in turn to all of us here today. What a comeback. Then there's of course the ultimate uh, comeback story, Jesus himself died as a ransom for the sin of humanity, but rose again in the greatest comeback story ever told. He defeated death and the grave and paved the way for us to have an eternal home in heaven when our time is through here on earth. Comebacks. We're wired to love them. We are designed to be comeback stories ourselves. And I guess this word comeback... Has a special meaning to me today because the church will be coming back together soon. We've experienced a, a hurdle and an obstacle of not being able to meet together. It's put a damper on our plans and the way uh, we've always done things. In fact, I was just talking to some of the staff this morning. It's like you can't even make plans because everything changes week to week so much. I want you all to know how I feel as a pastor, the pastor of this church. And I want you to understand how the Holy Spirit has been working on me and what he's dropped in my heart. I choose to believe that our setback has really just been a setup for our magnificent comeback. And church, get ready, because we're going to have a comeback, a magnificent one. We're not going to look to the past and try to do what we've always done. We're going to move forward. And this is a chance, it's a real chance to rethink how we do things and actually assess if what we've been doing has really been effective. Or has it been effective as it could be? It's been a time for your pastoral staff and church leaders to ask ourselves some tough questions and answer them honestly as much as that may hurt. And it's an interesting thing to ask yourself tough questions. Nobody likes to do that. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable to ask yourself the tough questions. It's even less enjoyable to answer them honestly and to look in the mirror and say, that really is me. I don't want to be that, but that really is me. This pause has been a time where the runaway train of our schedules has been slow enough to afford us some time to listen and really take in where the Spirit's leading us. I can tell you one thing, our online presence is not going away. We have never had more listeners to the messages, and our reach has never extended as far as it has in these last months. Another thing I can tell you is that I am not going to look backward and long for what has always been done. I'm embracing the future and I'm full of anticipation and excitement for all that God wants to do in and through us as a church. And I hope you get a hold of that. So I'm doing this two-part series, this, this week and next week, entitled Comebacks. And I want to give you some things to keep in mind as a church, as we come back as a church, for us to come back stronger than we were before. And the first thing I want to go over today, I'm just going to go over two things today. The first thing I want to go over is make essentials essential. Make essentials essential. Turn to your neighbor and say, make essentials essential. There has been so much talk about what is an essential business and what are the essentials that we need to go out and purchase. And the answers vary as much as the number of people you ask. I love what Amelia said last week. Maybe it's time to make our relationship with Christ essential. Maybe this is our cue to make time spent with our family essential. And there has definitely been a change in many of our homes. It's been a wake-up call for all of us in some ways. And if we are truly going to make a comeback, if we are going to come back from this stronger than we were before— then we need to have the courage to recognize those areas of our lives in which we have not made the essentials essential. I'm talking about getting and keeping our priorities straight. And we've all heard 100 messages that deal with having right priorities. We can recite the widely accepted Christian list in order. All of us can probably do it. God, family, church, work, right? Right? Yeah, that's my priority list. But there's a big difference in knowing the path and walking the path. If you don't really put God first in your life, then good luck. Saying you do isn't the same as doing. If your work is trumping your family time on your priority list, then you are going to have some major problems with family, and regret is going to be a part of your future. It doesn't matter. If in your mind you desire your family above your work, it matters what your actions do. Are they proving it that your priority list is what you want it to be? And hey, Christians, those who follow Christ and his teachings, how's your prayer life doing? Is it lacking? Are you a person of the word? Do you spend more time reading the word or playing stupid games on your phone? When the last time you went on a walk when was the last time you went on a walk with your spouse so you could just talk When's the last time you got down on the floor and played with your kids When's the last time you went out of your way to call your mom or your brothers or your sisters to just see how they were doing When's the last time you called your brothers or sisters in Christ just to see how they were doing Priorities matter And you can say what your priority list is all you want, but until you prove it with your actions, your priority list is just a wish list. Someone said to me the other day that they really don't like having to watch the services online. But they do it anyway because this is their church. Their commitment to church pushed them past their personal likes. Church, We ought to be convicted at how messed up our priorities really are. I challenge you to inventory the next 24 hours. Write down everything you do and how many minutes or hours you spend doing it. Then take a good hard look and ask yourself if your priorities are right. I have a feeling that many of you are doing better than you've ever maybe done before as the result of sheltering in home. And that's a beauty for ashes thing. That's God's redemption in the midst of a storm. Receive it, learn what you can learn from it. But for goodness sake, don't go back to the way you were. As Americans, we have been a part of the most financially prosperous culture that has ever existed on the face of the earth. We have felt blessed because of it. But as a nation, we have become spoiled and lazy too. We have produced less and depended on others more. As a culture, we have become a people of entitlement instead of the kind of people who put their hand to the plow. And this attitude has even leaked into the church. We have consumer Christianity kind of mentality in the sense that we shop for what we want to hear and aren't willing to listen to what we need to hear. And is what we are going through, is it signs of the end times? Is this pandemic queuing up the end of the world? I, I, I don't know the day and the hour. But I do believe these are signs of the times. And I'm reminded of what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.3. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I've always wondered about that verse. How do people gather around them a great number of teachers? It's interesting how the internet has done that automatically. We can watch so many people on the internet. And with all the platforms that it offers Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and all the podcasts that we have access to it has never been easier to find what you want to hear rather than what you need to hear. Those essentials that the Lord would desire us to make essential must be considered. What are your essentials? What are they really? Because if you're willing to ask yourself the tough questions, if we're courageous enough to listen to the Holy Spirit and be self aware, man, that's a, that's a big word self aware. So many people are not self aware. Turn to your neighbor and say, Are you self aware? and turn to the other neighbor and ask the same thing as I get a drink of water this morning. Are you self-aware? Maybe you're not self-aware that you're not self-aware. Well, that'll make your head spin. If we are willing to listen to what we need to hear instead of just what we want to hear, And actually repent of our wrong priorities Then we will have taken a huge first step In making our coming back as a church A great comeback story I want our comeback to be absolutely magnificent We have to make the essentials essential What God would say is essential Essential in our lives Number two we need to change for a change. I was on a Zoom meeting with some of our national leadership for Go 2020 the other day, and, and let me encourage you again this morning to get your My Five list written down, and then uh, begin to pray for them and care for them and share with them uh, the gospel. We talked about that uh, in weeks past. You need to get on that. Get on the My Five program, the Prayer Care Share Uh, Way And and I'm telling you, we're going to see people come to Christ if we all do that. But in that meeting, I heard Elton Garrison, who is one of the great leaders in our Assemblies of God movement. He's been a pastor of a successful church. He's been an evangelist, a district superintendent, the executive director of U.S. missions, and the assistant general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. And I give you his resume just real quickly there because I want you to understand that there is a stirring within the hearts of our national leaders as well as in local pastors, as well as in mine. And it's not a generational thing, it's across the board. He said that the church has not had an opportunity like this in over a hundred years. We need to look inward and be willing to change some things. I've said many times that if you wanna change some things in your life, then you have to change some things in your life. Thinking about church and how we do it, we, we can easily become religious in our methods without even realizing it. When something has been done a certain way for 30 years, it's, it's easy to develop a blind spot and start closing ourselves off to new innovative methods. That's why I appreciated what Elton Garrison said so much. We've never had an opportunity like this in 100 years to do some deep soul-searching as a church, as leadership, and think, how are we doing it, and is it really effective? Can we do better? Can we do something different? Is God doing something new? Asking ourselves all those questions and being willing to listen and and act on what the Holy Spirit tells us. Case in point, I've led praise and uh, worship in church since I was 17 years old. That's 31 years i'm forty eight. I don't want you to have to do the math on your own. I'm going to be forty eight this year real soon. Where in scripture does it say that all the music must be played up front before the preaching? It doesn't. but it's hard to adjust that when we are also used to it. And I understand that singing plows the soils of our heart. it prepares our our heart before we the word the word of God is preached, and I get all that, but What if we all came to church with the soil of our heart already prepared? What if we didn't have to depend on that worship time to get us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually in the right frame of mind to receive all that God has for us? Service would look a little different. I've had multiple comments on how much people enjoyed our Easter service and the other services that we've had when the music was played throughout the message, a song sung between each point. And maybe you didn't like that so much, and that's okay, but there's nothing to say that we couldn't do that in a live setting once in a while when we're all together. That would be a very different kind of service. It would actually bring some variety, wouldn't it? This is just an example of some of the things that we have become so traditional with that we don't even question them anymore, and we think that's just part of how we're supposed to do it. We have to do it that way because that's the way it's always been done. Children's ministry. I've heard so many comments about Pastor Amelia's half-hour show that she and Joe are producing twice a week. There, there are daycare providers in other states, I want you to understand this, whose kids are asking to watch it multiple times during the week. Out of state. That means the message that they're putting together is reaching further than just our four walls. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing as a church? What is more beneficial in building the kingdom? Is it that we stay in the status quo and minister to our kids on Wednesdays and Sundays only? Or would it be more advantageous to produce a kids' program that can be viewed multiple times during the week and literally have global reach? The internet gives us that capability. Our tech crew, which is so awesome in this church, I can't say enough about them, gives us the ability to do that. Of course, this takes time, so adjustments to schedules have to be made. I know we don't do Sunday school like we did back in the day, but what if we use some of our own great teachers in this church? And we've got a bunch of great teachers in this church. And what if we took them and we produced teachings or even sit-down discussions via chat with some incredible wise, some of those incredibly wise teachers? Think of the reach. Think of the discipleship that could happen through that. I don't think there would be a better way to transfer knowledge and wisdom to the next generation. And we talk about that all the time. How how are the older generation, how is the older generation going to transfer their wisdom and knowledge to the younger generation coming up? And I don't think there's a better way to do that than to have some of our mature adults use the internet, which they might be scared of, but they can get over it and use it anyway. It's not going away. But what if we got them involved in that we would help them do that and they were able to Pour and speak into the lives and the hearts of those that are younger On a weekly basis That absolutely uh, replaces the need for Sunday school I know we don't have Sunday school like we used to But it replaces the need for it What if we viewed our YouTube channel As our own private TV station And we produced everything from discipleship videos To skits that taught To short films that impact What if we put something together That was clean and funny little five-minute skit made people laugh. You know, there's some spiritual value in laughter. Actually, a lot of people could benefit a lot if they laughed a lot more. Church, I'm not saying we're pulling the plug on meeting together. It's an important part of what we do. But think of the outreach that could happen if we would just be willing to change the way we think about church and fulfilling our mission as a church change is hard it's something uh it's not something that everyone loves but understand this just because we change methods doesn't mean we are saying the ways of the past were wrong and worthless those methods were important in bringing us to where we're at now i love what ecclesiastes 3 1 says for everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven what was good back then was right for back then is it right for now we got to flow in the Spirit and be willing to say, no, we can change. We can use a different method. I'm also not talking about changing everything. Don't just throw everything out. I just want to encourage you to take all this pandemic, COVID-19, shelter-in-home garbage that we're dealing with and squeeze every bit of lemonade out of it that you can. God didn't give us this. It's an attack from the pits of hell, I believe that. But if you want to turn this all back on the enemy, then let's make the, the, the pain count a little bit. Let's learn from it and make lemonade out of lemons. Life is change, and success is how you handle that change. Losers whine about the lemons. Winners find a way to capitalize on them. And church, I want to be a, a, a people that capitalizes on the lemons that the devil throws at us. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come I know that the scripture is talking about how our life changes when we come to Christ the old sinful life is gone and uh, and we become new in our thinking and in our actions his righteousness becomes our righteousness And the result is an inner desire to live wholly unto him. I know what this verse is about. I've studied this verse over and over and over again. But I don't think the old passing away and the new coming is a one-time thing. I believe it's a a, a, a continual occurrence throughout our life. And that new creative thinking can and should invade every part of our being. We should be rethinking everything right now. Not throwing out the good. We can keep the good, but let's rethink. Let's be creative. Let's let the Holy Spirit speak to us new and innovative ideas. And this is what I believe wholeheartedly as a pastor. I think that because we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus Christ living on the inside of us, that we should be a people that is the most innovative people in all the world. We have access to the Father who is all-knowing, for heaven's sakes. We can tap into that. Church, I, we're, we're gonna have a comeback. There's no doubt in my mind. And I want our comeback to be great. I want to come back stronger than ever before. Let's change for a change. I'm almost giddy about what that could really mean in reference to our ability to successfully build God's kingdom. I think one of the things I've been most reminded of by the Spirit is that my job is to equip. It's not to spoon-feed. My job is to equip the saints. It's to equip, to help you get ready to be used of God in in various ways our job as a church is to build his kingdom to build his kingdom until he comes again to win people to the lord to raise people up to empower them in all their giftedness to do the same church this setback that we've all experienced is just a setup for our incredible comeback. I hope you believe that with me today. I'm ready. I'm calling on all of you within this church. Get ready. Get ready. Because we're about to have some fun. Some fun. And yeah, we got a couple more weeks before we come back. We're getting prepared. We're doing some things. You'll hear about that more in the future. But church, get ready, spiritually speaking because we got a job to do and we're going to get her done. We're going to make essentials essential. And we're absolutely going to change for a change and not just hold on to all that was. I think churches that try desperately to get back to how it was are missing God in all this. I think churches that look at this as an attack from the enemy and they want to get on the offensive and put it back in his face are taking advantage, squeezing the the lemon of it, so to speak, and getting a lemonade. They're going to do what God has called them to do and they're going to be smack dab in his will. Church, I'm asking you for a commitment this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you praise today. For who you are. God, we know that you are in control. Our, our, our motto has been all through this, Faith over fear, Jesus wins and we are not fearful. We're just getting ready for something amazing. Don't know what all that means. Don't have to know what all it means because I trust you. That's faith. God, I pray that you would actually keep us up at night giving us ideas and vision. God, I pray that you would give us innovative, creative things that we can do to win people to the Lord. And Father, today we commit to you as a church, as a body, to step into all that you have for us. To get our priorities right, make the essentials essential, and to change which in every way, in any way that you want us to. That's our commitment to you this morning, Lord. And We give you thanks and praise for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.